everybody, and welcome to Free Will with Carden Podcast. I'm your host, Carden Wyckoff, wheelchair warrior and disability advocate based in Atlanta, Georgia. On this podcast, we share stories of awesome people with disabilities, break down barriers for people with disabilities, and bring awareness to the world that people with disabilities live and thrive in. And lastly, challenge stigmas and stereotypes to build inclusion and belonging. DM me at freewillingwithcarden on Instagram to connect with me. I'd love to hear what you have to think and share it with a friend. Today, I have Brittany Wolf, who is a 31-year-old woman living with Tourette's syndrome. She has had a mission of spreading awareness and education about the very misunderstood disorder ever since she was a child and has since found more ways to amplify her voice and her fight over the years. Although some days are harder than others, she continues to push forward with a smile on her face and stay positive. Download the app iAccessLife and use referral code CARDEN, my name, C-A-R-D-E-N, when signing up. It allows users to rate and review places on accessibility in the built environment to break down those barriers of transparency. Rate, review, subscribe, and follow this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get started. Hey, Brittany, thanks for being here on the podcast tonight. Hope you're doing well. Yes, I am doing real well. So excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. You're welcome. Yes. And tonight we're going to talk about all about your journey living with Tourette's syndrome. So I'll just give you the floor. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I am 31 now, which sounds weird just for me to say. I just turned 31 like three days ago. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So I was diagnosed when I was seven. So I've been living with Tourette's syndrome for the majority of my life. And I have mostly, I mostly twitch. It's, they're called ticks, but I think a lot of people will understand the twitch term of it better. But so I mostly move. I mostly have movements. And so I, they're called motor ticks. And a lot of people have motor and vocal ticks. For the most part, I only have a lot of movements. I can move with any part of my body at any time. I can move with it in a different way at any given moment. Like I can develop a new tick two minutes from now or two hours from now. I never know what my body's going to do next. Especially when I was a child, I had much bigger ticks. They have, my ticks have increased as an adult, but the the movements are a little smaller, which I appreciate because I used to flip my head down and back up. I used to jump up and down, like all kinds of huge ticks when I was when I was a child. But they have gotten worse as an adult because I am under obviously a lot more stress as an adult. But yeah, I don't really know or remember a life where I got to choose what my body did all of the time, and it's um it's an interesting <laughs> life. It's a roller coaster, that's for sure. Nice. So you're talking about there's two different kinds of ticks, so motor mm-hmm. and vocal. And the common thing that I see in the media and on the real life is the, <laughs> those vocal ticks. Can yes. you kind of talk about the, I guess that would be kind of like that stereotype or that bias that all people with Tourette's syndrome or living with it have those vocal ticks and curse and stuff. Is Is that a common... Thing? Oh, yes. Um, so it's a common thing for people to think. I don't want to sit here and say that it's not real because those people that do have it. So the swearing, just the swearing part of Tourette's syndrome, it's actually called coparelia. And forgive me, anybody out there, if I pronounce that wrong, I have a, 
I struggle saying that word, but that's mm-hmm. what it's called. And ten percent of people with Tourette syndrome, so only ten percent have it. But for that ten percent, it's it's not as funny or as like fun as people think it is. Like you hear all the time, like, oh, it must be so cool to just say whatever you want all the time and get away with it. When in reality, those people are getting kicked out of grocery stores. They're, mm. They can't go and watch movies. They're getting kicked out of public places. And even when they tell them like, no, I have Tourette syndrome, they're not getting believed. And like, we should be allowed to go anywhere we want, whether I swear or I don't swear. Because I hear people swearing all the time when they can help it out in public. Mm. And those people are just fine. So people want to believe, they want to believe it when it's funny, but not when it's real. And that's what the biggest misconception is and the biggest frustration is for those with it that have the swearing disorder and those that don't have it. Because there have been times in my life where my Tourette syndrome hasn't come up for maybe like somebody has known me for like a few months. And because if I'm at work, I find ways to tick kind of discreetly or I don't tick as much because I'm so concentrated on my job at hand and I tick a lot more once I get in the car or at home. So it'll come up and people will be surprised. And it can be a couple months and their first question still is, so you swear all the time? Mm. And I, mm. I just look at them and I'm like, have you heard me swear yet? <laughs> like, just think about it for a minute before you say it. Right. It's uh, very surprising what, what will come out of people's mouths sometimes. Yes. And especially I think with the disability community, I mean, I get it all the time when, I mean, I'm out trying to get on the train and people come up to me and they're like, so what happened to you? That's the first thing that comes out of their what? mouth. I've never never met this person. And I'm like, what? Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I would like, well, never say like, that to somebody. Right, yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> it's interesting how, I think it's it's a combo of what people have seen in, in stories and movies and mm-hmm. all of those external factors also, how they were raised, right? Maybe yeah. they were never never were taught how to approach people with disabilities or people that look quote not normal, whatever normal mm-hmm. is, right? <laughs> and so, how do you generally respond to when people say to you those kinds of blank, blanket statements that are just so forward? I generally I try to like laugh it off but with also giving them some facts to the disorder as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I try not, as aggravating as it can be, it's not going to get me anywhere by like (laughs) screaming at the person. And I want them to understand like I'm just a normal person, just like you said, whatever normal is, but I'm not different. I just move Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot more. So I try to tell them like, no, actually, like I will say like, have you heard me swear? Or I'll tell them like, no, if Mm -hmm. I'm swearing, it's because I'm really mad. So (laughs) there's a different thing going on. And then I'll tell them like, no, actually only so many people have it. And those people that do have it, it's actually <laughs> really hard to live with. And then I'll kind of go in to be like, no, I have physical tics. Um, I've moved my body in a lot of different ways. And then I kind of let them mold, not mold the conversation. So like if they ask more, I'm going to tell them whatever, because I will always answer any question anybody has about it. But if mm-hmm. they stop the, t- the conversation there, then I'm not going to also force it on anybody either. Sure. And when you are experiencing a motor tick, does it does it last a certain amount of time? And when you're in a conversation with someone and it comes up, how should that how should the other person respond? So the ticks can range. Uh, they can be a real quick, and then like a couple seconds go by. I can do it again. I could do a bunch of them 
in a row a whole bunch of times. Generally, mm-hmm. I can't talk when I tick. So that kind of causes issues when I'm trying to have a conversation with somebody and I'm ticking. It just like my breath, automa- I automatically hold my breath subconsciously. I don't even realize I'm doing it. Um, so that causes issues. But for me personally, I want you to pretend like I'm not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. as if like I sneezed in the middle of the conversation or had to cough or something like that. Like right. I don't want you to be like every time, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Because that would get old real fast. <laughs> if it starts to get really bad, that's when I don't mind if somebody asks if I'm okay. Because we can have what's called tick attacks. They're very mm. similar to like an anxiety attack or a panic attack, or those anxiety and panic attacks can lead into a tick attack. And what that is just is, it's just, it's constant ticks. And I could be taking with multiple parts of my body at once. Like I'm not breathing very well and it can just come out of nowhere. I haven't, I have anxiety attacks that don't lead into tick attacks more often as an adult, but I do still have them or they'll just take over my body and I can't talk or anything. And I basically just need people to, thankfully it's only really happened when I'm at home or somewhere where I'm with people that understand and have been around me with Tourette's syndrome my whole life pretty much or a really Mm -hmm. long time. Because at that moment, I don't mind if somebody says, are you okay? I don't want them freaking out and like telling somebody to call an ambulance or anything like that. Because Mm -hmm. I know I'll come back. It's just a matter of knowing, I guess, and it's hard because it's like, I want you to know where that line is. Right. But like, but it's also hard. Like if I'm physically like getting really bad, I generally start crying when I'm in a tick attack. So at that point, mm. yeah, if I'm crying, you can certainly ask me if I'm okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like while we're having a conversation, I can tick a hundred times. And if you stop to ask me if I'm okay every time or stop every time I tick, like I just don't want that like drawn out, like overabundance of like mm-hmm. calling it out kind of, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's interesting with the with the tick attacks, and it, it sounds a little scary though, right? Because you're not you said you're not breathing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, is your heart stopping at that moment, or is it just breath? It's just breath for the it's most part. Um, my heartbeat will get really fast for me. I have a relatively mm-hmm. heart fast heart rate, anyways, non Tourette syndrome related. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, my the it's happened more often with my mother and um, my husband, who is spectacular he is the best person to have ever come into my life he's very calm with it and he will he'll start to like he'll ask me if I'm okay obviously if it gets bad and he'll start to like rub my back and him and my mom Mm -hmm. they both have to like pull me back and remind me to breathe like my mom will sit there and say when I lived with my parents and say like Brittany you have to breathe in through your nose out through your mouth and then she'll start to hear me not breathe again and she literally it's like she has to like teach me how to breathe (laughs) in those moments Mm -hmm. Because mm-hmm. my mind's not thinking of that. It's I have no control over what my body's doing, and so mm-hmm. like I forget. It's like I forget these like basic commands. Mm-hmm. Right. And do you have tick attacks? Like, is there anything that makes them more common? Like, I know you, you mentioned stress, and mm-hmm. or when you're really focused, the ticks uh, are fewer versus more frequent. Anything that is triggering it? Is it different for every person? It can definitely be different for every person. Um, in general, in an abundance of any type of emotion can make ticks like a lot worse. So if I'm super mm-hmm. stressed out, I'm going to be taking a lot. If I'm 
nervous or even like after I get really angry, I, I might, I won't, I might not be ticking in that moment of the anger of my temper, but then like after my body like comes down from it, that's when all my ticks will release. And then on the opposite side of this, and I actually just did something on it, um, is people don't realize that also happy and exciting emotions mm-hmm. make ticks worse, which is a double-edged sword. Cause like, I'm a very excitable person. I mm-hmm. am like, I'm like a child when I, like my husband can come home with like a candy bar and it's like the best day ever for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that about myself, but in those moments where I'm really excited about like an event coming up. So like this time of year, I love Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So my ticks are always worse, especially when I was a kid, like when it was Santa coming and everything else, like right. I was ticking nonstop. And that's where it's like, it almost kind of like ruins that excitement a little bit. I'm like, I want to be excited, but my body just like battles against it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that any emotion, like, because if I'll say that I'm taking a lot and somebody's like, oh, well, what are you stressed out about? I'm like, they're like, well, I'm not stressed. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like you said, that double-edged sword, both ends of the spectrum, getting those ticks and, so obviously there's, uh, and we're not here to cure all diseases, right? Because right. there's no cure for mine. So the best thing that we can do is to help be proactive in accommodations and create an environment that is inclusive and mm-hmm. tries to be low stress as possible. And so what are some of those things that you do for yourself, maybe in the home or in the workplace to create that uh, re- reduce uh, reduction in stress. So at home, at home is where I can reduce it the most. I take the most at home, but all, but that's mostly just because like I feel more most comfortable to do it. And after a day of work, when I get home, anything that didn't happen throughout the day happens. And so for me, what I I mean honestly, I do like I like to sit and watch like television that I don't have to pay attention to, like stupid mm-hmm. TV sometimes and. But I like to read coloring. So I've been coloring like well before this like adult coloring book craze has started happening. But it, <laughs> it's helped me it's out. It's a huge it, thing right now. <laughs> yeah. It's helped me out because it's given me more options. But mm-hmm. um, I've always liked to color or do puzzles, stuff like that. Crossword mm-hmm. puzzles, the Sudoku puzzles are really good for me because then I'm really concentrating. And I really like those ones because I always like to like see how fast I can get it done. And it's never as fast <laughs> as I hope. <laughs> but um, I like doing those. If it's really, really bad, I'll take a bath with like lavender, but I'm not a big bath person. I feel like it's a lot of work and then I get really bored. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, um, I'm not a bath fan. <laughs> yeah, I only like, do it if it's real bad. <laughs> but no, I, I mostly like the puzzles and I. Hmm. I take stuff called, it's an all natural because I'm not on medication for my Tourette syndrome. I was in college and in high school, but not anymore. I have a mild case, but it can get really, really bad some days still. So I take the stuff called Rescue Remedy. It, you can get it at health food stores and stuff and you just put it in your water. I can put it directly under my tongue if it's getting bad. And that does seem to help me, especially at least if it's my anxiety that's making the ticks worse. That'll at least help calm my headspace down. Hmm. And I like that because it is all natural and I don't have to worry about like any weird side effects from it. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then kind of in the workplace, um, is there anything that you ask for in terms of accommodations? 
my biggest thing that I just ask for people to do is like, let me handle it the way I need to. Like if Mm. I tell my, when I get to the conversation of telling my manager, I tell them like, there might be times where I need to go up and like use the restroom more or where I need to walk around the office a little bit more. Like I might need to be out of my chair more that day because I, the more, if I'm taking a lot, the it's I'm going to be thinking about it that much more at my desk. There, and then that way, it's going to cause that many more ticks because I'm going to be stressed out about taking that much at my desk. So I'll need to let myself walk away. Like, and I'll tell them like I know what I need to do. Like I just need to go to the bathroom, have a few like breathing techniques, maybe take a lap. Like I just need you to let me do that, mm-hmm. and then I promise I'll be back and like ready to go. And I I just explain to them like every day is different. And that I always try to tell people like what you see at the office isn't half of what it really is. Hmm. And that every day, every hour and minute could be different. So if I have, I've been working at my job now, I work for Nestle and I love it there. It's the best place I've ever worked. But most people haven't seen me tick like a lot. And I always like, just want them to know, like, just because you haven't yet doesn't mean it won't happen. And Hmm. I like to preface that because I feel like sometimes when I have that bad day, people are like, whoa, like all of a sudden she's doing this. Like, seem, like I don't want people to think I'm faking it, which gotcha. I can't do anything about what people think at the end of the day. And really, I don't care. But at the same time, I don't want to be accused of that. So I always really try to like drive that point home. Like, I don't know what, I know what's going to happen as much as you do about my mm. own body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's delicate balance, I think, at the workplace of like disclosing your disability or not. Mm-hmm. And it really, I'm in this diversity and inclusion course on with Cornell and learning all about, you know, what does an inclusive workspace really look like? And a lot of it starts with the trust and then that building that psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And in order to create that psychological safety, it really, it, it really stems into communication about just being open, honest, and transparent, right? As basic mm-hmm. as that sounds, but do you ever talk about it? Like we have a disability resource group at our company and I'm very active in it. Do you have a disability resource group at Nestle? And then do you talk about Tourette's syndrome and be open and honest with the company about it? Uh, yeah, we do. It's actually funny you mentioned that because I was actually just asked to be on it Ooh, a few months nice. back, yeah, we have what's called the Thriveability Network is what they call it. We mm. have like three pillars to it. So we have like disability, critical illness, and caregivers. So like any employees that are taking care of family members that have possibly have mm. cancer or the critical illness that do have cancer or some kind of like chronic illness. And then obviously the disability. It's a relatively newer group, so we're still kind of getting our feet on the ground. But what they did was I posted a video because I make YouTube videos about my life with Tourette syndrome. And I posted mm-hmm. a video at the beginning of Tourette syndrome awareness month to the group. Cause we have what's called workplace and it's basically like work Facebook. Okay. And Got so it. I posted it to that. Like I kind of like, I don't know why, like it was more scary for me to post it to that than to YouTube, <laughs> but it was because more nerve wracking for people I work you... with. Exactly. It's the people, <laughs> it's so easy to just put something out in the open world and, you you have no idea really who's going to watch it, right? Right. But it's much harder to do a presentation, a talk, or share your most vulnerabilities 
with the people that you spend the most time with. It's kind yes. of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I posted it to that and that's why somebody reached out and they're like, we really mm. love for you to be a part of this pillar. I was so excited. I'm all for it. And so uh, the end of October, they actually asked me to be, we, I did like a virtual speaking event and cool. like over 80 people signed on to the event. It was probably one of my biggest like Whoa. speaking opportunities, like people I've never even met through the company because Nestle is a huge, like it's a huge company. Um, right. it's, a, it's a global company. And so like people I've never even met were reaching out to me and it was just like that moment, oh, like, man, cool. I'm like, it's like I was like meant to work here. Like I just feel so mm-hmm. like, like they're not seeing me for like Tourette's syndrome. Like, so when I bring it up, I know they're not like, oh, well, what does that mean that this girl's not going to be able to do? It's just, that's just what she has and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's huge for me. Yeah, really crossing that bridge from oh, seeing the disability as the issue versus seeing the person first. Yes. And then just saying, oh, you know, it's just, that's part of her. That's who she's part of who she is. It mm-hmm. is who she is, right? And we all have our stuff. And if we don't have it now, we may acquire it later. Yep. And so that's that's the beauty of it all in, in terms of even as you age, you get more and more disabled in terms of physical ability, right? No mm-hmm. longer being able to walk a certain amount of steps and, and whatnot. So yeah, disability impacts everyone and anyone at some point in their life. Definitely. So in terms of representation, so obviously you have, which is a really cool opportunity for you to have to speak about it internally at your company. What other representation have you seen on Tourette syndrome, either at your company or externally in the world, like in the entertainment industry? Um, so in the entertainment industry, it's it's difficult to find those representations that is true to a person with Tourette syndrome and where we're not just used as like the punchline. But there are we are coming, I think, a little bit. We have come a long way, I guess I should say, I, I believe. So there is a film... And it's about a real person, Brad Cohen, who has Tourette syndrome. He's like a lot of people with Tourette syndrome's like idol. He's just a great person. And he did a Hallmark. There was a Hallmark movie made about his life where he became a teacher. Now he's a vice principal of a school. And it was like him, his life of becoming like the teacher he never had, I think, I believe is like the tagline of it. And it's for me, like just an awesome movie. And I've gotten to speak with him. I did a 5k where I raised funds for his foundation and it was like the most exciting thing for me. So there's that movie, which it's called front of the class and it's a Hallmark movie and it's, it's fantastic. I recommend everybody to watch it. I actually had, when I started Mm -hmm. dating my husband, we've been together for a little over 11 years now. And when we started dating, I told him about it because the movie was coming on again. I was like, I really want you to sit down and watch this with me. I just want you to kind of see what it can be like for me. And his family ended up watching it. Like his mom told his whole family that they had to watch it because our son's uh, girlfriend has this and she wanted everybody to know. And they were all ended up being super supportive. They all, they all actually watched it. So that movie was really fantastic. I love it. I have it. I did a speech on it in college when I took speech in college and I used clips from the movie to talk about Tourette syndrome. Nice. Um, and, yeah. And then another really good one that came out last year and I will say that it's probably one of the better representations that I've seen Motherless Brooklyn with Edward Norton in it. 
So as far as I know, Edward Norton does not have Tourette syndrome, but he played a character with Tourette syndrome and it wasn't him being like the butt of the joke. Like there was funny parts and they made some of his quirks and like the ticks in the movie, like to be laughed at, but in a, in a much different way. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was, he was the main character who just happened to have OCD, who just happened to have Tourette syndrome, but he was mm-hmm. a smart person. And he like, it was just, it, for me, it was like made me emotional. I'm like, this is the first time I'm seeing like me on the T te- mm-hmm. on like on the screen. Like mm. it's a man representing Tourette syndrome, but like it was a real representation. And I didn't realize how much like something like that would mean to me because most of the time I do brush it off when I see the jokes and everything, like they aggravate me, but I can't stay mad at something like that forever. Um, mm. But I didn't realize how much something like that would mean to me. Like it, it, it made me emotional in the movie theater while I was watching it. Wow. I think that representation is so important. One one thing that I saw recently was Barbie made a uh, a wheelchair and uh, as like an accessory, and then this little girl she received it for you know her birthday or something, and this perfectly amazing picture of this little girl in a wheelchair with and holding the Barbie in a wheelchair. And it was like, wow, when you feel seen and heard and you can look, when when companies are creating that inclusion, it's it's so amazing because yeah, it's just like, wow, that's me. Yeah. Like that looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's really nothing better than that feeling of wow, someone saw me for me and wanted to make a movie out of it. Then I think on the other opposite end of that, you know, you you gave two really awesome examples of movies that I would like to watch later. The first one was Front of the Class. Mm-hmm. And what I was reading quick I was quickly Googling the the summary of it. And this caught me off guard a little bit, and I'd like to know your opinion on it. So it says that the summary says, refusing to be beaten by his affliction, Tourette syndrome sufferer, Brad Cohen vows to become a teacher overcoming prejudice, ignorance, and fear as he struggles to make his dream come true. The key word that stuck out for me there is, it says that he suffers from Tourette syndrome. And do you feel that you suffer from Tourette syndrome or do you feel that it's just a part of you and that you don't suffer from it? Um, for I would say 99% of the time is just a part of me. On those mm-hmm. bad days, I would definitely be a person that said that I suffer from it. And I do, I kind of do try to steer away from using phrases like that for me personally, just yeah. because I, I don't like it for my own mentality. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say, I don't like to convince myself more of how bad it can be and how bad it gets, but it does get there. There are days where I never stop moving. Like I Mm -hmm. end the day in tears because I'm just so tired. And because even though I'm tired, people think we're like, oh, well, you're tired. You won't do it that much. No, I'm tired. So I'm even more stressed out about being tired. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it more. Like my body doesn't care that I'm tired. If I can't stop it when I have energy, I certainly can't stop it when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's some days where I feel like I am a sufferer of Tourette syndrome, but I would say 99% of the time, yeah, it's just, it's who I am. It's what I do. There's no changing it. It's obviously not going away. So I might as well make the best of it. Yeah. Thank you for providing some more information on your opinion Mm -hmm. about the language. Because I think language is so important. And especially as we create that representation, that we're also 
using the right language around it. I know media is just in truth news. They love to choose words that are very, just very aggressive sometimes. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right wording that I would use. But I will say the cool thing about the friend class is that it is a person who has Tourette syndrome, not an actor who plays Tourette syndrome. I think well, there's in the, uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. it's not him. Oh, it's say. not. Oh, no, okay, got no. it. But he was on set. So I talked to him about this movie. He actually was on one of my videos with me, and he was there the whole time they did it. So, got like, it, being it. able to provide feedback that the guy lit were like, um, oh, so the movie was him. was a oh, documentary, or yes, I guess yes, it, was it was a, a documentary. Documentary about him, but he didn't play the role. It was an actor that played yes, the role. Yes, yes, yep. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I kind of go back and forth. I've seen a lot of movies recently coming out with. There's been a lot of disability representation, but they're actors portraying people with disabilities, and it, but they're not right. the real life person. I know. I don't know if you heard the news about Sia, but I she did. got <laughs> bashed hard about <laughs> yeah. the autism <laughs> representation. Yes. Um, I did have an amazing conversation with Ramon Reed, who is a character on Disney Channel's TV show, about that issue, right, of Mm -hmm. representation of people who have disabilities but aren't actually played as those characters in the movie. And he, he did make a good point being in the entertainment industry, and he said that, you know, there are a number of people that are absolutely amazing actors that can do incredible jobs after researching and studying and getting advice from people who have those disabilities and then creating the character to be the most authentic version as they can be. But even though it's not 100%, it's 90% of the way there, right? <laughs> right. So I don't know. I kind of go... I kind of lean towards, I wish there were people with disabilities playing the character who has a disability. Yes, I Not agree. Casting. It's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's like a line, like, yeah, I get that's what they do. They're actors, they play roles and they play people mm-hmm. that aren't themselves. But at the same time, like, let's continue that bar and like, let's raise the bar even more and find those actors that have that disability. Mm-hmm. So that they can give the actual interpretation, not interpretation, but um, yeah, give the actual role, like because it's their life; they know nothing else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I mean, there's actors out there, but it's just got to find them, right? Okay, so I know we've talked about a number of different topics <laughs> from representation and the entertainment industry and just a chart syndrome in general. Talk about your YouTube series. So, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. There are times where I go a little quiet. Sometimes my anxiety gets the best of me and I get to a point where like I haven't done it in like a couple of weeks. And so at that point, I'm overwhelmed that I haven't already done it in a couple of weeks and it gets harder and harder to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also struggle because I don't want to make a video just to make one. I want it to be right. honest and like mean something and really come from somewhere. So... That's why like, it's not always every single week, but I just basically talk about, I talk about Tourette syndrome in general, my life with Tourette syndrome, how it affects me and how I 
go about living my life and how I try to have this positive attitude about it. Like again, like 99% of the time people sometimes ask like to do a video on a bad tick day or when I'm having a tick attack and I always have to re-explain like that I'm not going to do that because I, the last thing I want to do is pick up a video camera and record myself. And it's also Mm -hmm. the last thing I think about when I'm in one of those moments, but I try to keep it very real with it. Like I don't edit the only videos I edit are when I'm doing them with other people. I just started doing that this year, earlier this year, where I started having people come on my YouTube channels that also have Tourette syndrome because I started thinking about it even more. Like people just learning about me with Tourette syndrome is not going to give them the bigger picture and really Mm -hmm. drive home the point that it's different for everybody. Like not two people with Tourette's syndrome are going to look the same, do the same things or tick the same way or even feel the same way about it. And so I started asking people to come on and I have a lot of really awesome people like in the lineup coming up soon to start up with them again next at the beginning of next year. And those videos where I'm doing with other people I've noticed are the ones that connect with people the most because again, that's another representation. Mm-hmm. So that's another chance for somebody to be like, Hey, she's not quite like my, t- like me with my Tourette syndrome, but this person that she's talking to is, or mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen another young girl with Tourette syndrome. Cause I mostly men, mm-hmm. you're more likely as a male to have Tourette syndrome than female. So I get that sometimes oh, okay. where like, I've never seen a girl with Tourette syndrome and like them saying that to me, like, I just want people to know, like, even if I tell like, if I make one person learn what Tourette syndrome is for real, then I've done what I wanted to do with those videos. Cause it was mm-hmm. incredibly nerve wracking to make those videos. Cause the internet is a place where everybody feels like they can just say whatever they want and everybody's super brave behind a keyboard. So I was very scared to put it out there. I talked about it for probably a year or two before I finally just did it. And I remember sitting there with my laptop, just like hovering over the publish button of the first one, like I want to say three or four years ago now. And I was so scared and I did it and I just like went to bed. I'm like, I'm not even going to look at it again. I'm like, it'll be like my mom that watches it and my grandma or somebody (laughs) and that'll be it. Mm -hmm. And my husband woke me up and he's like, you need to get online and see. He's like, a lot of people are sharing your video and they're really liking wow. it. And, like, and okay. it just like gave me this motivation. I'm like, I can't believe I'm having this positive feedback mm-hmm. just by talking about it. And mm-hmm. it's been mostly really good. I mean, I have the occasional rude person, but you the expect internet that. Trolls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's something internet that I will internet. never engage in. So mm-hmm. they can yeah, try all they to- want, but... <laughs> <laughs> give him a tick <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh, but it's man. been a really cool experience making them I've slowly gotten more and more comfortable with them like I just mm-hmm. I let it all out like if I tick I tick I'm not editing any of my ticks out like it is fully Nor 100% should you. me like no. that's who you are right exactly yeah I, are there any like role models or celebrities that you look up to or that you are see that you are seeing share a lot of information about Tourette syndrome? Um, so I would say Brad Cohen, who I talked about from that film earlier, he is probably one of my biggest inspirations in the Tourette mm-hmm. world. Somebody else I really love is Sam Comro. He's a comedian with Tourette syndrome. He was actually on America's Got Talent a couple years ago. And he's just a really cool down to earth guy. I think he's hilarious. And he does, he does, he makes some jokes about Tourette syndrome, but it's not like 
his whole thing. He's a comedian that has Tourette's and Mm -hmm. his story came from like, he started making, he was getting made fun of. So then he tried to like, you know, basically switch that and started making fun of himself, but also just like telling jokes a lot. And then that changed like the progression of how he saw it. I think, I believe if I'm referencing some of the stories I've heard him tell correctly, he's just a really cool person. And I found him on YouTube one time, one night in, I just fell in love with his comedy and he just, I mean, it's, it's not hard to make me laugh, but he really makes me laugh. And my husband and I have met him a handful of times at shows that he's come to. And he always like, he remembers us. And it's not just like the phony. I remember you, like he brings things up that we've talked about before. And I just like, cause even after America's got talent where he got, cause he got into like, I want to say the final five or four. Mm-hmm. So he got really far. Like, when I saw him on America's Got Talent, when I saw him get through, like I started crying. Cause again, I'm like, mm-hmm. man, it's right there for like the world to see, like all of America to see, like somebody with Tourette syndrome, like killing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and not just getting made fun of or it being the joke in the movie again. It's just him. And he just happens to have Tourette syndrome, just showing right. like, again, where people that can do anything anybody else can do. <laughs> and he, I just, I really like him as a person and I'm a big, big fan and follower of him. Nice. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. And I know you were kind of talking about and the one person that I know who has Tourette syndrome has been public about it is Billie Eilish. And I mm-hmm. watched one of her interviews where it says when she's singing, she doesn't tick. And mm-hmm. That is her outlet for staying really focused. And I know for you, it's like coloring and puzzles and Sudoku. So I think that's just really interesting to me when you're really focused on something. Is it you're not thinking about the ticks or you just laser focused on a task and you're not thinking about anything else? I think it can be kind of like a mixture of like not thinking about anything else, but also like my brain just like going somewhere else. Like I'm being. Mm. somewhere that's not my body ticking because when I do those puzzles and color and stuff I still tick but I will say when I used I danced for 20 years it was my favorite thing in life like I loved it so much there was no better place for me than the dance studio or on stage that was for me I never ticked people didn't even know I had Tourette syndrome like I once I was in that dance studio and dancing like my body was mine it was the first it was the only time where when I kicked my feet or flung my arms or anything is because I'm making it do it. And it was my free space. Like when I had a really bad day or week, I knew all I needed to do was get to that day of dance and I would be okay Mm -hmm. again because that was just my time. And for me with dance, that was just, I was just in another world for me mentally. Mm -hmm. And I was in a body that was mine again, which always felt incredible. And now um, working out kind of gets me there too. I love, I really enjoy exercising, but I will still tick. The only thing that I've done in my life where it would erase like my ticks, like I've never even had Tourette's and was dancing. And that was half the reason I did it so much or for so long, but I also just loved it. But yeah, I think it's just, my mind is finally like, it gives my mind something else to think about. Cause like if I'm just mm-hmm. sitting here in a quiet room and I start ticking, then that's all I'm thinking about. But if I start reading and getting brought into a new world or coloring and getting into that little world, like, yeah, my brain's mm-hmm. just like, all right, this is, this is where we're at now. And it, yeah. it gets that energy out in a different way. 
So that pent up energy, it's releasing it in a much calmer way, I should say. Yeah. I've heard you say a few times the butt of the joke with Tourette syndrome. And Mm -hmm. can you provide an example so that next time I'm reading something or I'm watching a movie, I can point those out and be like, that's not appropriate. (laughs) So I know, and I think this is going to sound cheesy, but uh, the first Bring It On movie, I don't know why this is the first one that comes to my head, but there is a part where like they're auditioning cheerleaders or whatever. I don't. Mm-hmm. I haven't even seen this movie in forever. I don't know why it's the first thing that came <laughs> in my head. It's a great <laughs> movie though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like it still. It's the only good one out of all of them. But uh, mm-hmm. they have a point where they audition cheerleaders, and I believe like one comes in and she starts swearing uncontrollably, like saying all these inappropriate things, and mm. she says that she has Tourette syndrome. But it's it's meant to be like that joke like that's all that girl is there for is just to make the joke of Tourette syndrome like there's no Mm. other storyline to her she never shows up again like it's just that quick hey let's make fun of Tourette syndrome and then we'll go easy laugh and then we'll move on Mm. and it's just like it's that moment where like I'll I'll give a look like I'll look at my husband be like really like we have to keep doing this (laughs) right yeah as if because swearing is meant to be funny yeah that's the thing too. Like, aren't we past this by now? <laughs> like, every adult does it. Like, come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go back and watch that clip and see. Yeah. Just so that I have that visualization. In my yeah. Head. Well, and that's like, yeah, the, I, I like, oh, go ahead. Uh, that's the thing too. Like, people don't realize, like, it's not just like swear words when people have vocal tics. Like, they can literally oh, okay. yell any word. Like they could be triggered by seeing like a dog or a cat and they can yell cat or dog, or they can have a whole phrase that they say over and over again, or somebody saying one thing can trigger. Like for me, because I have mostly vocal tics, like movements on people can trigger me to start having almost like I'm mimicking them, Hmm. but it's because my body needs to do it now. Like, so people that move their eyebrows a lot, it, it's a very big trigger for me for facial tics. Hmm. Very big. Like if people are on TV and they're doing something a lot, like I have to like look away because I don't want to develop it because I can develop it as as a tick. And I don't want that to happen. When you're watching something, a movement happen, you basically can take that on Mm -hmm. as a movement that that a tick would develop. Yes. As that movement. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's weird. And it's so hard. Like it's it's so weird weird to explain to people. (laughs) It's like you are becoming that movement yes. from just by watching it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share about Tourette syndrome? Maybe your plugs? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, of course. So they can find me. The most things that they'll see me post as far as Tourette syndrome stuff goes is my YouTube page, which is just simple. It's youtube.com slash Brittany Wolf. And it's B-R-I-T-N-E-Y. So it's spelled like Britney Spears is what I always have to tell people. (laughs) Um, uh, You can find me there. And then I have a Facebook page that's dedicated to Tourette Syndrome, which is facebook.com slash one tick at a time. That's kind of like my slogan and thing that I always use on stuff. Um, (laughs) I have a a Twitter as well, which is one tick at a time, but I'm going to be honest. I rarely use it. I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. 
I don't understand it very well. If I'm completely oh, really? honest, I <laughs> love Twitter. I, oh, love I get Twitter. lost in like who's talking to who and when. And so it's like, I'm tagged with like a bunch of other people. I'm like, I don't know when you're talking to me or just tagging us to tag us. Yeah. <laughs> I can never <laughs> tell. So I usually just get frustrated and barely do anything on it. But I, I do try to post my videos on there, but the most you'll see is the Facebook, YouTube, and then I guess my Instagram, mm-hmm. which is just underscore Brittany Wolf. And that's not just Tourette syndrome. That's like, you'll mostly see Tourette videos, pictures of my dogs and me. Dog. And <laughs> <laughs> I love how your little dog goes. So cute. <laughs> I'm pretty obsessed dog mom. So <laughs> That's funny. Oh, another random question that just came into my mind was, the word Twitch, because I remember you, you said at the very beginning, mm-hmm. I know there's a company called Twitch yes. that's really big. Is there any correlation there? Is that just, they just pick the word Twitch? Okay. Oh. <laughs> mm, okay, got it, got it. All right. Yep. I don't know if there was any correlation there. All right. Not that I know cool. of. It'd be cool, I guess, if there was. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brittany, thank you so much for your time and sharing all about Tourette syndrome and how we can be more inclusive and supportive allies for your community. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It was so nice talking to you. And yeah, I really appreciate being here. Like I said, (laughs) thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text CART at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.